0: I've been preaching for 36 years and this is the most notes I've ever took in a pulpit with me I'm not a note preacher I, I believe if I load myself up all week long the Lord will bring it out and I won't get in the way. But today I have some notes, and I think you're going to see why. Uh, I want to start in Psalm 18. This is going to basically kick off our praise time and worship time, but also it's going to be important for you to think about when I get into this message today. The psalmist said, For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect or complete. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and He sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. God's good, isn't He? I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again until they were destroyed. I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with the strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. And you have also given me the necks of my enemies. Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give Him praise this morning. David grew to a place where he told the Lord, he said, it's not your hand I'm here to seek, it's your face I want to see. That's where we all have to go. I'm grateful for all that God does in the natural, but that's not where it's at. This world's passing away, isn't it? But it's His face we want to see. I want to just love Him for who He is. He's such a wonderful God. He does great things. But He is a wonderful Father. And His Son is the greatest husband in the universe. I love You for who You are. You are our buckler and our shield. You are the one. You are the one that we worship and adore. And everybody said, Amen. Give the Lord some praise. I'm going to minister on this today. I'm not usually a topical preacher, but I can't help but follow the Holy Spirit. And some of this has to do with warfare. As you know, uh, we've been talking about the last three weeks. And then this morning I read the psalm about warfare. And then uh, we sang the song about warfare. And so I know the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us today. I want you to put Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 on the screen. Let's just read this together. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance, The race that is set before us. You may be interested to know that the word addiction is not found in the scripture. You also may be interested to know that God, the principle of it was found right off the bat. When Cain killed Abel. And God told Cain, he said, sin's outside the door. And it wants to dominate you. So that's what sin does. It dominates us in so many ways, and it causes. And I'm not going to. I'm going to just give you a, a chapter. I'm going to read. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter six. I want to show you something. I want you to let this sink down into your ears, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Before we do that, though, the word beset here, the Greek words means to let it stand around, to let it be in your attendance, and in your circle the word ensnare the King New King James uses the word beset and it means to let it stand around to keep it in your circle to have it in attendance and to keep it in your environment flip that back up one more time let's go over that. let's look at it in that context Therefore, we're surrounded with this witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. The new King James uses the word beset, which is probably closer to the original. But that's a good choice of words there too, snares, And it means that you, this thing that is in your environment, you let it stay around. You keep it in your circle. And it's always in your attendance. So it gives you the opportunity to do the wrong thing. That's what he's challenging us with here. He's saying, I'm going to be very methodical with what I'm sharing with you today because if you've never been in addiction or not wrestled with it at all, you have certainly been around someone who has. And so this is going to be good for everybody, including those of you that are watching and listening around the world. Therefore, uh, this thing he's talking about with this Greek word is uperristestos. That's a hard word to say. It means the keeping things in your environment. So now you need to look and evaluate your own life, or maybe you can look at other people's lives and get a chance to help them. What things are they keeping in their environment that causes them to tend that way? So if you'll notice, there's two words that we kind of run them over together, call them sin, sin and iniquity. Well, they're two words, right? They're different. They're even spelled different. So they have a little twist, right? We know what sin is primarily. That's when we do our thing instead of God's. It may manifest itself in a thousand different ways. But iniquity is that tendency towards sin. It's that leaning toward it. And so that's what he challenged Cain with. That's what Lot messed up with, right? The Bible says, if you'll read there in the middle of Genesis. The Bible says, Lot looked towards Sodom. That's his first mistake. Then the Bible said he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Then the next thing we find, he's in Sodom. Now, that's the process of how iniquity and sin works. Then what happened to him? He lost everything he had. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's start with verse 7. Now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. He's talking to Christians. He Gave some more instruction about this before in this chapter. We're not going to get into that. Basically, he's saying if you're believers, you need to be able to work things out. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat. And you do these things to your brethren. So he's challenging Christians who are doing wrong to other believers. And then he gives a little statement here. He says, do you not know that unrighteous that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now the first thing you got to do with your life is say whether or not you agree with God. That's the first thing you got to do. If you're going to be a Christian, you got to say what God says trumps everything I've thought or understood. Let me tell you one problem with the way the world handles addiction. They tell the people in addiction they're not responsible for where they're at. Then they lay the trip on them that they got to re- be responsible to get themselves out. Now think about that dichotomy. How crazy that is. So, we're going to talk about this. Fornicators, I'm going to give you a brief definition. Most of us understand what he's talking about here. Sexual activity apart from the marriage which God ordained in Genesis. Idolaters. anything that gets in front of God basically can become an idol. Adulterers is sexual sin against the spouse. Homosexuals is sex with the same sex. Sodomites is unnatural sexual relations. And I don't want to get into that. Uh ashamed to speak of those things. Thieves, people who steal to take something from another. Covetous is someone who desires that which belongs to another. Not that you see somebody's car and you would like to have one like it, but you want their car. Uh, drunkard is somebody who is soaked. This is, this is a broad definition because, you know, the last five times the word sorcery is used in the New Testament, it's pharmakia. And pharmakia... Is where we get the word pharmacy. So you can be intoxicated in our culture now with a gazillion different things, right? You can even lick frogs out west and get high. You probably have warts after you do it, but you. Yeah, there's frogs. You can lick the toxin off the frogs. You can do all kinds of trees, weeds, not just weed, but other weeds. So it means to be intoxicated, something that alters your state of being. Then the other one is revilers, people who are aggressive with their behavior to control and manipulate others with, listen, with their words. Who does that sound like? For everybody that's my age, it sounds like Archie Bunker, right? Poor Edith. So you use railing in this context, in this particular word here, railing, revilers are different in different places in scripture, but It's someone who's aggressive uses their aggressive behavior to manipulate a situation and it's primarily using words. And then finally, extortioners are those who plunder and spool and plunder. In other words, they're not interested in stealing for themselves, they're just interested in destroying what you have. That's what an extortioner is. And you can do that with your mouth. You can run some, you can try to run somebody's life with your gossip. With lies, the Bible says we can even murder someone with our tongue. So an extortioner. So he says all this and he says, these people will not inherit heaven. Now, do you agree with that? Are you in agreement with God? Now, let's go on though. Let's look at what he says. They will not inherit kingdom. And such were some of you. He's talking to us, Right? There's the good news, right? And such were some of you, but you were washed, right? There's the difference, right? You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of God. Somebody give Him praise for that. This is not in my notes, but let's run over to uh, Romans chapter 7 real quick, or flip back to Romans chapter 7. Uh, I just want to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit here. That's I was trying to dig around a little bit through the scripture there and worship. Romans chapter 7. Let's go down to Paul's talking about being married to the law and separated from it. Uh, in verse 9. Paul said, I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life... I found to bring death. For sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. So where there's no law, there's no transgression. God knows that better than we do. So if you get trapped or thinking about worrying about situations, situation, God's got it all under control. Nothing escapes His eyes. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me uh, through what is good. So the law was like the x-ray. Remember me telling you that? That's what it does. It's like an x-ray. It exposes a problem, but it couldn't fix it. We need the great physician. There's a little 15-minute clip on our YouTube channel that talks about the law being the x-ray. And and so the law exposes the problem. The x-ray exposes the problem, but it can't fix the problem. And he says, sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin for what I am doing. Now listen closely. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. So that's why we need to be born again, right? You've got to have a new spirit. This flesh will take you under. For to will is to present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not know, do not find. Now, you're talking about a guy who lived under the law. And he's expressing the law and its, and its purpose. And then he's talking about, he's going to get on. Of course, you know, the whole book of Romans is, is there to help us understand mercy and grace and God, all that. He says, For good that I will do, I do not do. But the evil I do not, I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do... It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I need a break. That's hard to read all that. <laughs> I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And there's where the battle's at, right? Of which, uh, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am. A lot of people read that and stop. Listen to what he says next. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's exactly what he'd already stated just a few verses earlier. He said some of you used to be like this. But you've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been sanctified. All right? So that's the good news. The good news is Paul wasn't intending like some folks preach and teach to leave you hung in chapter 7. If you can leave me in chapter 7 without the end of it, then I'll leave my life discouraged from now on. But if you can tell me that there's a way out. How many of you remember Betty, Betty Jean Robinson? She's from the mountain. She's a southern gospel singer. I think she's still alive. She's from actually the neck of the woods where I'm from. She's world known now. She's a southern gospel singer and Well, a friend of mine in Florida pastors a church in Pensacola. He was going to have her in. And he said, she said, do you think those people down there will like me in Florida? And he said, sure they will. He said, just don't leave us in the valley. Sing us out of the valley. (laughs) Uh, You know, a lot of them old timers, they, they had a tendency to sing you in the valley and not get you out. So God always has a way of escape for us, right? He will not allow anything to be strong for us. Now. Let me read a few things to you that I've jotted down. I want you to pay attention. Obviously, this will be recorded, so you can go back and get this. You're going to need this. I'm telling you, you're going to need this. Maybe it's your own life, or maybe you're going to deal with others. I want you to think about a few things here as we talk about this. So the first thing you have to do if you want to be free is you have to come into agreement with God's Word. That's what His Word says is true, all right? Second thing you've got to do is you've got to you, as long as it's someone else's fault, you ain't never going to be free. So you've got to come to grips with that. You take responsibility. Listen, the people behind us, they fought their battles. Some of them good, some of them bad. They had to walk this life just like we did. So let's quit blaming everybody behind us. Let's just step into the new day. Embrace what the Lord offers us. He said, when your father and mother forsake you, he said, then I will take you up. That's the best news in the world. Let me say a few things. When our identity comes from a lifestyle or action, we are in trouble. When your identity comes... Now, let me say this. I know I've seen preachers fall into that. Their identity becomes... And you know I say this from time to time. That God would love me just as much tomorrow if I lost my ability to speak today. He wouldn't love me any less tomorrow. I am His Son. And if, if I can't preach again after today, or today, I'm still His son. We all know tragic situations where people have been, uh, had a child that's went into tragic situations and they've maybe even lost their ability to even think correctly. But that parent loves them just as much as they always did. So I get my identity because I've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't wear my own robe anymore, I wear His. I'm clothed in his righteousness. My identity is in Jesus Christ. But when we get our identity from a lifestyle we've chosen or an action, we are in trouble. And we our cultures feel with that. Now people are identified by their sexual choices. That's how or their skin color, which is very 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 shallow. And we could go, and some people are known, now listen, they're known by their addictions. And all of them aren't intoxications. Some of them can be money. There are people that are addicted to money. You can be addicted to anything. We prefer that we all be addicted to Christ. But we can be addicted to anything. And and I've been saying this for years, the devil don't care... What you get caught up in. He's not trying to make everybody a pervert or everybody this or that. The devil just wants you to put something in front of God. He doesn't care what it is. He doesn't care if it's comic books. He just wants you to put something in front of God. Now, addictions begin as sinful choices and end up as diseases. That's the question. That's the question they wrestle with out in the culture. But if you go back to Corinthians... We know that God doesn't send anybody to hell or allow them to enter there because they're sick. So we got to wrestle with that. And this is a hard subject. It's tough to tread on. But Cain started his problems out by disobeying God. Here's what happens. Addictions. We tell people that they're not responsible for their addiction. But then we tell them they must be responsible to get over it. See, it's a whole different battleground. In fact, let me read something to you. Um, AA speaks frankly, and some of you know this, and some of you may have not read it, but AA speaks frankly about vengeful resentment, self-pity, and unwarranted pride. And they also, their literature is not bashful to talk about what Christians call sin. Now, that doesn't mean every instructor is willing to do that. But AA was founded with that slant in mind to understand that something, things wouldn't go wrong like I said three weeks ago if the devil hadn't got in the garden. All the bad stuff comes because he got in the crack of the garden. So now sin, let me th- I want you to think about this. If sin is not our biggest issue, and it is for all of us, that's the biggest issue any of us have had. You weren't born saved. If sin is the biggest issue, then the work if sin is not the biggest issue, then the work of Christ is no longer the most important event in history. I'm going to say it again. If sin is not the biggest issue, then what Jesus did, the work of Christ is no longer the greatest event in history. The most important. Addictions. Diseases do not always impede spiritual growth. In fact, some people have sicknesses that draw them closer to God. But addictions don't have the same result. They usually drive people away from God. They separate that relationship because there's shame, there's guilt, all of that. And that's just a part of sin. Now, I'm using the word addiction because it's the culture that uses it. God didn't use it in the Scripture. He just talks about sin. He talks about the consequences of sin. And just put it this way. The more we disobey God, the more we do our own thing, the more trouble we're going to get in. I don't care what the world calls it. That's really the, base, the bottom line. Now, uh, the move, the more purpose attached to the addiction, whatever it is, doesn't matter. It could be sexual addiction. It could be... Uh, any of the things we've read in the scripture there, the more purpose attached to an addiction, the more we will become synonymous with it. And then, and you know people like this, you'll get your identity from it. You'll be known as this or that. And notice how that's permeated our culture. We have people, and I, I believe sexual addiction far outweighs substance addiction. I'm just going to say it like I say it. Because sexual addiction can be hidden, put behind closed doors. You don't smell like anything on your breath. You don't walk funny. Well, most people don't. But you, and, I, and, and if you've ever listened to James Dobson, he talks about how the pornography industry uh, targets the 12-year-old male. That's who they're after. Because they've done their research and they know that if they can get a 12 year old male, they can keep most of them for life. So that's why you don't let a 15 year old take his phone to his bedroom by himself. I don't care if you like that or not. That's good parenting. Amen. We have. Everything in the world from even how to commit suicide is, is in front of our children now. On YouTube or wherever. They teach them how to commit suicide. They teach them all kinds of things. Now, sin by its very nature is quiet and secret. It's not really loud and, pr- and public until addiction sets in. Then it gets more public and outward. But sin by its nature usually starts out in a more quiet and secret time. Behind episodes that you may see yourself in or found yourself in, or and I'm preaching this not at you. I'm preaching it for us. Because we're all going to deal with people who have addictions. Alright? So, behind the episodes and outbursts of whatever the manifestation is in any kind of addiction, there's usually jealousy, manipulation, lies, maliceness, and thoughts going on. That's why Jesus said, as a man, thinketh, so easy in his heart, right? He said we could do certain things in our heart without actually doing them with our flesh. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes, right, that causes us to move in a certain direction. So if you go back to the sin that easily besets, right, it's leaving something in our environment. And I'm going to tell you, I wasn't as tough on what I said a while ago as the guy who's the pastor of Southeast, the largest church in Kentucky, maybe one of the largest churches in this nation. He was tougher on sexual sin than I just was. I heard him say, if it's going to cost you your family or your job, you need to get a flip phone. He told his 10, 20,000 people that. His men that. Because those things that are available, right? So sin is usually secret, but there's a lot going on behind that, right? That kind of thrusts people out into that world. Addiction Now, hear this closely. I'm reading a lot to you, but these are things that I've been studying for months. And I, I just want to lay things out God's given me. Addiction is a lordship problem. It's a lordship problem. Who's going to govern your life? Who's going to govern my life? Who's going to have the last say? Who's going to direct our lives? It's a lordship problem. And again, I'm not going to really hammer on specific addictions I just want you to know there's all kinds of things people can be consumed by and those are choices we make to say, I'm going to do my thing, I'm going to do my will instead of yours. It's a lordship problem. Then he says, or I say, (laughs) uh, who is going to be our master? God or our desires? Our entire legal government in this country, and I know it's changing, was based on a moral responsibility. That's how our government was set up. Basically from the Judeo-Christian teachings. Our legal system was based on a moral... Do you know why we have so many laws now? Because people do not live morally and they're stupid. Both. That's why we have so many laws. Why would you have to put on laundry detergent, do not drink? But, we do. And so, we, we have uh, added so many laws because our morality's kind of exited our culture. And when our morality exited our culture, we get more stupid. Because we don't have those governors in place. See, God's law, His Word, keeps governors. They keep boundaries. Do you know that most of these things that, are, that we read off that list in 1 Corinthians, there's a legal way to do them all, except well, you can steal from the devil and that's legal. Take back what he stole from you, right? But there's a way that God introduced sex into the culture. It's, it's, it's part, part of the natural process. But it's when we get out of those boundaries that we cause trouble. And so God set up boundaries for all of us. And He put stick man in a boundary, right? And God's give him all these things to enjoy freely. And so if stick man gets out of the, the, the boundaries that God set... Not, he puts himself at risk. And when he puts himself at risk, Satan has opportunity. But the other thing that's happening when stick man steps out of God's boundaries is stick man saying to God, uh, what you've blessed me with is not good enough. I'm going to go get some of my own stuff. So God... Now let me, before we get critical on God and say, well, boundaries, smoundries, and the law and all that, God... God didn't drop all the boundaries in the New Testament. Let me say it to you from this way. Receive it from this perspective. Anything we love, we set up boundaries for, don't we? Right. You do. You got a little dog. You don't want a big chicken hawk to have it for dinner, do you? And they'll do it. These big chicken hawks will pick up a dog and take off with it. You put boundaries. Or you watch it. Children. Right? We put boundaries up because we love them, right? So, whatever we love, we set boundaries for. We should do that with ourselves. And God does it. Why should God be any different than us? He's greater, He has more love than we do. Uh, The more purpose attached to these addictions, the more we become enthroned with them. Uh, Addiction leaves off eternity. I don't care what the addiction is. I'm not, I'm not calling out any specific addiction, right? Addiction leaves off eternity. And that's exactly what happened to Eve in the garden, right? The snake came in, Satan came in, however the snake was doing. I don't know if he come walking in or whatever. He did something before he crawled on his belly, but he come flying in, walking in or both and he shows up and he starts working and Satan's working through the serpent and and he starts uh, challenging Eve, right? Uh, Here's what happens to us, what causes a lot of times for us to be consumed with something, again, what the world calls addiction, for us to be consumed with that, we start believing something false. And that's the first thing that started in the garden, right? Satan come in, Eve's by the tree, said, hey... Uh, you need to eat that fruit, right? She said, God said we're not, we can eat everything but that. We can't eat that. And he said, well, God knows if you, he starts uh, Said, has God really said. That's the first thing he said. So he gets her off balance for a moment. And then he, then he starts pitting her against God. He says, really, God, basically, I'm going to put this in my own words. God's holding out from you, on you. Because he knows if you eat that, you're going to be like him. Well, that was his desire. See, that, when you're sin and I seeing, devil, the devil's trying to live his desire through us. And so she, she's standing there and she buys it, right? She gets an alternate theology. It's just for a moment. I think the King James says the serpent beguiled me. The new King James deceived. different, But the Hebrew words meant he caused me to forget. Isn't that how sin works? Just for a moment. Here comes the devil wind with an enticing moment, right? Something to try and make you get in the flesh or think... Think about doing it wrong, and, and just for a moment, we forget the consequences. We forget eternity. You know how costly it was for Eve? It cost all of us, it cost every one of us. And Adam went along with it. Everybody says it's what the preacher thinks. I believe Adam could have covered his wife maybe if he'd have stepped in the gap, but he went right on with it. He said, Let's get an apple pie in here. Put the coffee on. <laughs> but it costs, right? You, I don't care how fanatical you think you all, I am, but I get up every day thinking about eternity. There's too much at stake for all of us. And Eve blew it and Adam went along with it. And look what it's caused. And then it gave us this tendency, right, to sin. But God said, it's outside the door. Just rule over it. Rule over it. How are you going to rule over it? We're going to get into all that. But God is trying to get us to see that He's the answer to all of our problems. And we must understand that eternity is at stake every day. You may walk past somebody who needs to know Christ are you opening your mouth or are you too busy for God? We've got to be serious about this stuff. I bet Adam and Eve have, could have grieved themselves to death. I'd hate to be the one. But now I don't have any stones to throw at them because I've seen enough out of my own life that I would have blew it in the garden too. I ain't got no stones to throw at Adam and Eve. What a weight. But that weight's lifted in Christ, right? Who will have dominion in our lives? That's the the issue we're talking about. We must identify false beliefs. She bought into it, right? She bought into the fact that God was holding out on her. He lied to her. And that's what the devil's doing with you and me and everybody out there. He's lying to them. And the greatest thing about keeping people in a sin or consumed with something that's staying in their environment, constantly badgering them, is the lie that Satan has that we can wait. Let me share a few more things with you. How do we identify false beliefs? Number one, I've got a couple things to say. Do we live different in private than public? That's one way you can identify a false belief. The second thing is, do we allow our thoughts to roam in spaces they shouldn't? Because it will set up an alternate theology for us. If either, if either of these things apply or both, if either of these or both of these apply, then we are dabbling in an alternate theology. If we live different in private than we do in public. And I'm talking about morally. I'm not talking about there's certain things we do in private that we wouldn't do in public. I'm just talking about morally. If either or both of these apply, whether we live different in public and private or we allow our thoughts to roam in places they shouldn't. If either or both of these apply, then we are dabbling in an alternate theology that quite quietly says there are places that God doesn't see. Or things that God has made allowance for. He's letting me do my own thing here. He don't really care. And after you think about that. Here's the thought I want to leave you. Then the cross. Do you think God cares? Do you think there's anywhere you and I can go that he can't see? Now, I'm going to say this as loud as I can. Well, I'm I'm going to say it as forceful as I can. God is not tolerant. If He were tolerant, He would have never hung His Son on a tree. God is not tolerant towards sin. He atones for it, but the fact that He allowed His Son to be nailed to a tree tells us He's not tolerant of it. He's merciful. And tolerance and mercy are miles apart. The world is tolerant. Anything goes out there. The church stands for mercy. We don't care where you've been, what you've done. We know a man who will forgive you and save you and take you on a new life. You don't have to come in here and make excuses. We don't want to read your old Facebook post. You have a new start. You're clean with Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And all your sins are washed away. Old things are gone. All things become new. You don't have to defend yourself to the body of Christ. We know what it's like to be forgiven. We know what it's like to have to be saved. We know what it's like to do wrong. We know what it's like to fall in the garden. And we know the love and mercy and long-suffering of Jesus Christ. The world ain't near as forgiven as God and they shouldn't be, and, and, and I know we're like this here, but they shouldn't be near as forgiven, and they're not near as forgiven as a church that's following the New Testament guidelines. Would you have put Peter up to preach? Think about it. Most denominations would have set him down. Well, years ago they would have anyway. They would have set him down and said, You ain't preaching for two years. If then. You get on the back row back there, buddy. We'll tell you when we need you. And just a few days after he denied Christ three times. <laughs> Woo. The Lord said to him, You're my man. You're going to preach the message of the gospel that's going to go around the world because every nation is going to hear you preach the words that I give you. I'm glad God don't hold unforgiveness. I'm glad God don't have resentments. I'm glad God don't hold things over our heads like we do one another sometimes. He's a forgiven God. Can you say amen? amen. So He's not tolerant. He's merciful. Big difference. Usually, somebody who's consumed with something, again, I'm not f- crazy about this word, but somebody who's addicted or consumed with it, somebody's allowing it to stay in their audience, stay in their circle and, and don't They can see the issue Usually they can Now maybe after a long period of time that changes But they have an alternative position Again here's some bad theology And you all have heard this Maybe some of you have even said this Before the Lord set you free uh, He, they, she Their line is We can stop whenever we want to It's a big line it's an alternate form of theology. I'm going to do this with eternity not in view. I'm going to do my thing, but whenever I decide, I'll just walk out. That ain't how the devil plays, is it? He's like a, one of those boa constrictors. Every time you take a breath, he wraps a little bit tighter and a little bit tighter. Here's what sin does. It'll take us where we don't want to go. It'll make us stay longer than we want to stay. And when it's fin- finished with us, we'll find ourselves facing death. That's what Jesus said. God's Word and His Spirit bring about change. That's what happens. Do our wrongs... Now, I want to ask you this question before I get into some more Scripture in just a minute. Do our wrongs offend our sense of self-worth? Yeah. Now, notice what the world does. They leave God out, but their whole gamut is trying to get people to have self-worth. Well, you can't have self-worth that's triumphant unless you have it in God. Your identity, if you search, and I'm talking to all of us. If we search for identity, if I try to search for identity in ministry, it won't go very far. My identity is in Christ. We're not here to promote living water. We're here to promote Jesus Christ. He's our husband. You want to meet me in the gate? I'll talk to you about my groom and what a good... Awesome God I have. I'll tell you about my father. This church is going to burn to the ground with the rest of the world. But I, if, if I want to really stand in the gap, I want to tell you who God is. I want to tell you who Jesus is. They make the difference. Then he, if our wrongs, they do offend our sense of self-worth. The answer that's yes. But if we... Now listen to this. If we coddle an unre- unrealistic view... The price we pay is self-deception and destructive consequences. If you look in the mirror and you know there's an issue with you and God, and you're not willing to own up to it and confront it, then you've created an unrealistic view of yourself. That's what happened to the Pharisees. They, they made clean the outside of the cup, but inside the Bible said they were full of dead men's bones. That's what happened to the priests in the Old Testament. When Ezekiel started prophesying, he said, Some of you guys act like you're worshiping God up here, but in your basements and in your cellars you've got idols. Idols. Playing both ends to the middle. So, we pay a great consequence if we buy into our own theology. If we coddle ourselves and aren't honest with ourselves. Addiction leaves off eternity. And it skips, we must decide to skip the momentary fulfillment for something greater. I don't want what I do to be sin because I enjoy it. Now here's another one. Or someone I love is given to it. That's reality, right? I don't want that thing to be called sin because somebody I love is involved in it. If we don't tell people the truth I don't know When our tears will dry on the other side Now the Bible says he wipes them away But when that happens Because you know For Jesus to have to wipe away our tears Means there's going to be some Paul said that some are going to be saved As though by fire Their works are going to be burned But they're going to get in By the hair of their chinny chin chin I guess Nothing more important in our lives is our spiritual journey. Nothing. And you have a level of influence. We all have a circle of influence. We need to use it because we're running out of time. What's destroying our world is not Putin. Not the dude in China. Not Joe Biden. Not political parties. Sin. Sin is destroying this world. That's what's killing us. Now, sin's permeated all those places. I'm, I'm, it's permeated government, it's permeated homes, schools, courtrooms, all, it's permeated everything. We're in the minority. But that's what's destroying us. Let's turn to Luke chapter 14 before I close. Then I'm going to close. You've got to come to God's Word. So, when you and I get our priorities out of whack, it gives room for the enemy to work. That's what happened with Cain. I'll come back to him in just a minute. 14, verse 26. He says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or mo- and mother, wife and children, brother and... And sisters, yes, and his own life also he cannot be my disciple, and that's not the greatest word there in English because of the connotations that we've attached to that, hating, right, We're not supposed to hate anyone, and yeah, 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 so so this Greek word is what we translated. whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. if anyone comes after me and does not hate his father, mother wife children brother and dis- Sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Forsake is one of the words that's used in the Greek. And this is the word that's being used here. It means to arrange. That's where we miss it. The word hate. It's what we translate hate. It means to set apart, reserve, make a difference with your allegiance. It doesn't mean we hate our mom, our dad, our spouse, our children. It means we, our allegiance. And that's why one of the words is to arrange. So God is first. Everything else is second. Let me tell you how Cain got overcome. He got overcome because he disobeyed God. First thing he did, they knew they were to bring a sacrifice. God had obviously sacrificed to clothe them with animal skins. They were taught that. Abel was the keeper of the sheep. Cain was the tiller of ground. Now, here's where a lot of Christians get crossways. Instead of doing what God wants or what He's asked of them, they just decide they're going to do what they want to do. And tell God to be all right with it. So, for whatever reason, Cain decides not to get a, a, a lamb or an animal. Whatever he does, maybe he brings a bushel of apples because he thinks, well, this is what I do, so God ought to be happy with it. But he brings... And they, there's trouble with that all through the Scripture. And so in, instead of getting right with God, he takes his anger out on Abel. Kills him. And there are there are multitude of things we could think about in our mind. What is God asking you to do? Well, He's asking you to read His Word. He's asking you to have some prayer time with Him. He's asking you to be a giver. All those kind of things. Don't shirk your responsibilities and... Walk them out. Because every time we shirk our responsibility to God, it gives Satan a little play into our lives. And that's what happened with Cain. So you know the first guy that was overcome by the stuff in this world? It was Cain. And he was a miserable man. A vagabond, I believe he called himself. Running, to and fro. So, addiction starts... Because our allegiance has changed. Now listen, and I'm going to close with this. Either we've traded our allegiance to God for somebody else. Maybe for our own selves. Whatever. But when things get out of order, chaos ensues. Hence the culture in America. Things are so out of order in our culture... From the school to D.C., everything's gotten so out of order. And now chaos is ensued. Now we've got multitudes of children who are growing up in chaos. And the devil's going to be there for them to turn to some kind of substance, some kind of alternative place that they think they're going to be happy or fulfilled and that's why addictions running rampant in this country, as we call it. Because people are looking, and they're not being trained in the ways of the Lord. Most children aren't anymore. They're growing up off of media and, and social media and all that stuff. That's how they're being trained. And they're, God help us in this country. Our children are exposed to everything. Everything. They don't have a chance. Unless parents are on guard. Unless they have parents who are on guard. Their brains aren't even fully developed until they get in their 20s. Heck, I've met some in their 40s and 50s they are still not developed. And everybody just thought about somebody right there, didn't they? <laughs> I'm going to share some more stuff with you in the next couple of weeks, I want you to understand that addiction is something that God is aware of, and He's got a remedy for it, and it's got to start, I know, and, and I know how the Lord works in the New Testament, sometimes He healed people and they were healed as they went, right? It was a process. Some of them, He healed them instantly, I mean, just wham, took them. And I don't know all the factors that go along with that, but I know it works either way. So what you want to make sure, if you're battling or you know somebody's a battling, you need to pray for God to open their eyes to who He is. Because once I really see who God is and understand I'm going to have to answer to Him someday, that I'm responsible, I have some responsibility for those coming behind me, I can't live unto myself, I can't live with eros, i got to live with agape. We need to pray for God to open their eyes. I don't care, and I've seen this, I've had on myself a dream or a vision or send somebody by their house out of the blue that will shock them into the reality of what's going on. Because the trouble with addiction is, now remember that word I read from the very first verse we looked at. They keep. They only keep those in that circle in their environment that do the same thing. So we need to pray that God will bust that wall down. He's good at taking walls down. And I've prayed for folks. I remember praying one time for somebody that was hours away from me, and I was feeling hopeless about helping them. They were lost, and the Lord spoke to me and said, "I said, Lord, I can't see them. I can't go to. I can't hang out." And the Lord said, "You can pray." And it was just a few weeks later, somebody went by their house. Out of the blue. Didn't even know them and witnessed them. Next thing I know, they're going to church. Next thing I know, they're getting saved. God is able. Let's not try to take all this power and authority in our hands. Let's lean on God's power and authority. Because it always works. It always works. You can give Him praise for that. Amen. So I'm going to dig around. You guys come there, so let's stand our feet. I'm going to dig around on this. I'm being methodical here. I don't want to leave anybody behind. I want us all to understand that we know this is a real problem, but how we can overcome and help others to overcome, that's what we want to deal with. Metanoia is the Greek word for repentance. I've alluded to that a lot over the last few, year, or few weeks uh, and years probably. And I, I wrote this uh, full definition down of metanoia. It means... What word we translate repent, it means to have a change of mind and a change of direction. And here's the full meaning of that. To make a change of principle and practice. So that's why we say your mind's changed. You see the bridges out up in front of you, you turn and go in this way. That's repentance. Repentance is not just feeling sorry for doing something wrong. Repentance is that your mind has come to grips with God's word. And the fallout of that, you're going to turn and go a different direction. The bridge is out. And for everybody the devil's got blinded, consumed with addiction, we're going to pray for them right now. So here's what I want you to do. If you're here and you want prayed for specifically, you don't have to tell. I don't care what your addiction is. The Lord is able to help you. But if you're here and you have a child or a grandson or a, a whatever, a spouse or anything, I want you to come up front right now. We're going to stand together and pray. Anybody, you can stand in for somebody. I want you, if you know somebody that's stooped in addiction, or whatever, I want you to come up here and stand. We're going to pray over them. And I myself am standing in. I have, it is, I know it's an epidemic. I know, and it's way worse probably than we know from the things that, that don't happen out in public, right? Right? We know that addiction is such rampant in in so many different areas. So we're going to pray. And I want you to call out their name when we pray, okay? As we start praying, we're going to pray for God to open their eyes. (sighs) To change their heart. To let them see Him for who He really is. And then we're going to call out their names. Y'all just pray with me. Lord, we come right now. Our culture, our country, even the hollers of this country are filled with people who are overcome with addictions and consumed with sin. And they're on a one way track, Lord, to death. And Lord, we've lost lives because of that. We know we've lost lives. Everybody in this room has been touched by the deception that goes along with that. We've seen it, Lord. And. All these things we read out of Corinthians, Lord, that that are not going to enter into the kingdom. God, we know people. And some of us were that way. We know that sin is a destroyer. Not only does it destroy a physical life, but it keeps people out of heaven who live lives of sin and refuse to repent, turn, and follow you. Oh God, I lift my voice this morning. I pray for Joe, Lord. I pray for Benjamin. Good names, Lord. They both got biblical names. They ain't following You, Lord. Consumed with all the wrong things, God. I just pray that You'll break them somewhere, somewhere, someplace. Lord, open their eyes. Let them see that sin has been laying on the porch. Pray for and Josh. Pray for so many, Lord, my friends. Bo, John. Pray, Lord, the people I've grown up with and known. People in my family tree that are consumed with something other than You. We pray that the Holy Spirit and Your Word will leave this place as we pray. And all of those who have joined with us, Lord. Out there, that are joining our services, that are begin to pray, that we'll send up a big shockwave under the throne of your, in your kingdom, God. That you'll hear our cries and our voices as we stand in the gap for children and 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 grandchildren and nieces and nephews and uncles and aunts and friends, people who are dying, Lord. People are consumed with lies. Some are hurts, and the devil's taking that hurt and blinded them, Lord. Some are discouraged, and the devil's taking that discouragement and blinded them. And they're walking away from the only hope they have. It's the only hope any of us have, Lord. It's, if it weren't for you, we'd all be caught up in something. We'd all be on a path to destruction and death. But you made a difference in our lives. And God, we just pray. I pray for that person who deals with intoxication no matter what the substance is. I pray, God, that You open their eyes to the truth of what Satan's trying to do to them. I pray for those who are caught up in sexual perversion, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal to them, Lord, You have a better plan. You have a way. I pray, God, for those who are fighting the air and trying to get things done in their flesh, their extortions, their thieves, the revelers. They're so caught up in their own strength. They're addicted to their own strength and their bank accounts. And they just keep plummeting things. And they run over others to do it. Open their eyes, Lord. Let those prayers of saintly grandmothers and grandfathers, Lord, and saintly aunts and uncles that they that are already going on to heaven. Let those prayers come to fruition. Let them come to fruition. Let the son come home. Let the daughter come home. Let them come, Lord. Let them be like the prodigal. Let them come with humility. Let them lay their lives down. Let them see what sin we're doing. Help them, Lord. Help them to understand that there's another way than what the world's telling them, That they can get help through Christ. A supernatural strength. Not just another word, but a supernatural strength. Some tharseo. Some courage. Some be of good cheer. Some tharseo. I pray for my family and my friends that are lost some that I've called by name I pray that that tharsail will reach them in the pig's pen and cause them to come up from there no matter what their issue is that they will seek you they'll seek your face Lord we all we know we stand here we're not better than anybody we've just been bought and redeemed and we're so thankful let's give him praise amen if anybody's watching me on this video or going to get this podcast you can come to this church we we will help you you don't you can go free you can be free in the name of jesus christ amen say it with me some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give him praise. Amen. I your voice, and I will move. And I will speak to those. And they will hear. Hallelujah. For I will the Lord thy God and I will do what you have asked. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I appreciate that confirmation. I, I have, and with the worship this morning, the confirmations we're getting of what God's going to do. I've been saying this for the last, and we've seen it. I think we've baptized 71 in the last, and we got a, another line ready to be baptized. We, God is answering our prayers. He is answering our prayers. I want you to keep praying. Don't you leave here and get discouraged. I don't care if you go home and the person you prayed for calls you and is acting stupid. You stand up. You stand your ground. Because greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. Can you say amen? Let's worship Him for a moment here. Amen. Amen.